Father, we come into your presence and thank you that with open arms, you welcome us today. And so we run into your presence. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you with our heart, to pour out our praise to you with our minds and our mouth. And God, we do just this morning lift up our voice to you and say hallelujah. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Thank you for opening your arms and welcoming us into your presence. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit will open our minds and open our lives to your truth. And God, may we praise you even more as we celebrate you around the truth of your word today. In Jesus' name, we continue to worship now. Amen and amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, and we continue our journey in 2 Peter uh, through chapter 1. Keep your Bible open there and follow along as we walk through and continue to walk through this passage today. I don't know about you, but... uh, I've noticed recently that many people, in fact, too many people in our world are miserable. Too many people are discontented and filled with worry and fear and walking through life with their head down. And I want to help us understand today as we look at the truth of God's Word that life is God's gift to you. And what you do with that life is your gift back to God. And we have an opportunity this morning to celebrate that fact. See, one of the purposes that uh, Simon Peter wrote, Second Peter, was to remind us that we are living in the last days. From the day that Jesus Christ arose from the grave and then ascended back into heaven. Until our generation today, we have been living in the last days. And more importantly, Simon Peter wants us to be reminded of how to live in these last days. We can go through life and we can live discontented and filled with worry and filled with fear if we choose to. But we're here today to be reminded from God's Word that there is a better way. So let me ask you, have you discovered that there is more to life than just breathing. (laughs) There's a way that we can live and be really living. And that's what we want to discover today. So what does it mean to really live? Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to just pick up from where we left off last week with verse 10. And so you follow along with me as I read aloud. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. 
I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So what does it look like to really live? Four things, I believe, just jump out at me from this passage to help us understand how to be ready to live. So let's look at them. First of all, ready to live means I live a morally excellent life. We see this in verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, therefore, my brothers. Okay, let's, let's just pause there for a minute and remind ourselves. Anytime you see in Scripture where a verse begins with therefore, we need to pause for a minute and reflect on what the therefore is there for. <laughs> so Paul is reminding us as we, or Peter is reminding us as we look back at the previous paragraph. First of all, Jesus has empowered believers through knowledge of Him to live morally excellent lives. We see that in verse 3. In verse 4, we see that because God has given believers great and precious promises, we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of evil desires in this world. Therefore, he says, your calling and election to faith is initiated and secured by God Himself. See, until we die or until Jesus comes back, we get to confirm our faith by the way we live. In other words, our actions are important. Last week, we unpacked the supplements listed in verses 5 through 7. They are part of that confirmation. If, if you missed that last week, I would encourage you to go back and look on, uh, look on our website and tap in and listen to that sermon. It's about the confirmation of our faith through living out what Jesus Christ has placed within our heart. So every day, every single day, we get to practice the faith that God has given us. And so Peter encourages us not to just go through motions in life. Not just wake up every morning and go through the same old, same old routine. But to really live with godly excitement and godly diligence. So your calling and election are gifts from God. The calling and election comes from God. God calls you to know Him. He elects you to follow Him. And it's by His divine election that you receive His gifts of grace and faith. See, you can't just be saved anytime you want to. You can't just choose to follow Jesus anytime you want to. God elects and calls those who will follow Him. And I pray that if you're here today, you're listening to the sound of the voice of God, that you respond to His calling, you respond to His election in your life. Because living a morally excellent life is the result of walking in faith with God daily. Verse 10, Therefore, brothers, we continue, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, 
You will never fall. You know what it's like to be confirmed in something. You call and make a hotel reservation and they give you a confirmation number. That number means that you're assured that when you show up, there's going to be a room that's been reserved for you. The number confirms that you have a place at that hotel room. So practicing these qualities that we talked about last week confirms or shows that you have been chosen by God to do life with Him. Called and elected means that you have been chosen by God. Now let's pause there for a minute. When you put your faith in Jesus and you accept the calling that He gives your life, you understand that He's elected you to follow Him. That gives you a very special place in His heart. It means that He has thrown His arms open wide and He's loved you to Himself. And so today, can we celebrate that? Can we just be excited about the fact that God has called and elected you to follow Him? That He's chosen you to be one of His children. That is so special. People who have been adopted into a family have a better understanding of what it means to be chosen, to be elected. Because you weren't naturally born into that family, but someone chose to bring you into their family and love you and adopt you. What a great feeling that should give. And how much more should we be excited about the fact that God has called us and elected us to be part of His family. Have you ever heard someone say that Practice makes perfect. Well, that's not altogether true. I mean, if you're practicing the wrong thing, you'll never get perfect. But perfect practice makes perfect. And when Peter reminds us here that it's our responsibility to continue to practice what God has put in our heart through His grace and through His faith, believers have the opportunity not only to access the presence of God into our life, but we also have the motive to be busy about practicing the qualities that He has given us to show that we're believers in Jesus Christ. There are lots of motives for morality, lots of motives for living lives that are moral. Some people are moral because they think morality keeps society from falling apart. Some people are moral because they feel like it relieves human suffering. Or morality promises human flourishing. Or morality resolves conflict of interest. Or morality assigns praise to those who are praiseworthy and blame to those who are at fault. Or morality rewards the good and punishes the guilty. Now these all sound great. But I hope you're aware today that there's a higher calling to morality than those things. See, only one motive will accomplish the eternal result for God's standard for morality. The motive has to be to be more and more and more like God every day. The standard is perfection in Jesus Christ. (laughs) 
And the only way you and I can achieve that standard is by trusting Jesus and the standard that He lived and plug our life into Him and let our morality be represented by His morality. See, the correct motive for godly living, Peter says, helps us to avoid falling. And falling means that we come into ruin or we come into grief. So the desire to walk in integrity with God is the only motive that keeps you from falling under the pressures of this world. The standard, again, for moral excellence is the perfection that we can only access through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you today, do you know Him? Have you come to that point in your life where you have plugged your life into Jesus? You've said yes to Him. Been born again by putting your faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ. Because those chosen by God who make all of life about Jesus will stand in spite of false teachers and temptations to fall to glamorous sin in this world. Are you diligently living a morally excellent, godly life as you walk daily hand in hand with God? That's the target that Simon Peter is shooting for and heading us, leading us to today. They called me last week and informed me that the guy who stole my car right out of the parking lot out here uh, was coming to trial. His case was going to be held. I remember the day that the investigator went to interrogate him about stealing my car. He was talking to the officer with the body cam on. <laughs> and the guy's wife came running out of the house and started beating the guy. <laughs> Said, you sorry, so-and-so and so-and-so. See, her standard for morality was a little bit different from his standard for morality. God's standard is high. In fact, God's standards are perfect. There's no spot or blemish in His standards. And the starting point to confirming your calling and election as a believer in Jesus Christ is to have the right motive by knowing Jesus and then making all of life about Him, letting your life center around Him. I heard about an engaged couple recently who on a late Saturday night, the bride-to-be, the young lady, said, why do I have to go home? This young man took a stand decided that he was going to be and set the standard for being a future godly husband. And here's what he said. He said, you're going home because it's the godly thing to do. You're going home because it's the right thing to do. See, that's what faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is all about. We make big decisions at a time when we're challenged because we've made little decisions to, to lead up to that and living a godly, moral life. Is that your standard for life?
Have you come to the point in your life where you are willing to live a godly life no matter what? When you make all of life about Jesus, then and only then are you really ready to live. Secondly, ready to live means I live expectantly. I live expectantly. In verse 11, he says, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This little phrase, for in this way, is an interesting phrase. Remember, 30 or so years before this, Simon Peter had walked with Jesus in the last week of the earthly life of Jesus on this earth. And he had heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe that picture was ringing again in the mind of Simon Peter when he said, for in this way. This way refers to a path. It refers to the road. It's the passageway that you follow to get to your desired destination. You go on the way, you go on the path, you go on the road. And Simon Peter remembered Jesus and said, I am the way. And so he said, for in this way, through Jesus, through making all of life about Jesus, in this way, your calling and election are provided by God. In this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Simon Peter knew that he was near death. <laughs> and he remembered those words of Jesus. He knew that he was just a few weeks, maybe a few months away from being executed. And so he looked forward to the entrance into his eternal kingdom, into his eternal reward, into God's eternal kingdom. Ready to live means that you expect our arms open wide from God generous entrance and welcome into the eternal kingdom of heaven. Someone once said it this way. They said, you are not ready to live until you're ready to die. Is that you? You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. I do pray that that is you. In Acts chapter 7, we have a long chapter where Stephen, who was a faithful layman, not a pastor, not an apostle, a faithful layman, Stephen was sharing the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And because he was sharing the truth of the gospel, he was executed. As he died, he was expectantly looking forward to eternity. He knew that he had been called and elected by God. He knew that he was living a morally excellent life. He knew that he was faithful in sharing the gospel and in challenging hypocrites who were saying one thing with their mouth but living another way. He was challenging them. And so they executed him. In Acts chapter 7, verse 56, as he died, what did he shout? 
he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What a beautiful picture of expectancy. One day you're going to die. In fact, the last time I checked, the percentage of people dying was 100%. (laughs) You're going to come to that point one day. And I pray that you and I will be just like Stephen. I pray that we will look up at that time when we're passing from life on this earth as we know it to life into eternity. And there will be an expectancy as we see Jesus at the right hand of God. God's character defines our future through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only way you're going to be able to stand before God and see Him with arms open wide is by you putting your faith and trust in Jesus, just just like Stephen did. So be ready to live by living expectantly. We have another grandchild who will be here in a few weeks. And we are so excited and expectant about that little girl bursting forth into life, into this world as we know it and as she will know it. We're living expectantly. And that should just pale into insignificance as to the excitement that we have and the anticipation we have about spending eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Two of my favorite authors are Randy Alcorn and Lee Strobel. Randy Alcorn wrote a book entitled Heavenly. Uh, Strobel recently, this past year, released a book uh, called The Case for Heaven. Both of these men have written beautifully and accurately painted the biblical picture and given us a glimpse of what it looks like to live in eternity in heaven with Jesus forever and ever and ever. We should have that kind of anticipation about finally and ultimately and eternally being face to face with our loving open-armed triune God. I spent time last week with a young friend who has three kids, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. And he made the decision that he was going to start having devotions with his family every night. And so he decided that uh, as they began their devotions, they were going to run the devotions for six nights And then on Sunday, they were going to take a rest because of all the activities they had at church on Sunday. They were driving home. The the first week went great. They were driving home after church services on that seventh night. And a six-year-old girl from the back seat said, Daddy, I can't wait till we get home to do our devotions. I mean, that's living with expectancy. He changed his plans because she was living with expectancy. Gail and I conceived two children that never saw the light on this earth. And I can't wait to get to heaven to meet those two children. I'm living with that kind of expectancy with my faith in God. Pastor friend of mine took a week after Easter and went to a campground. 
he and his wife were going to get away and refresh for a week. And they were going to check out before daylight from the campground. They were going to check out before daylight on Saturday morning. And so late Friday afternoon, he drove the golf cart up to the office to turn in the keys. Turn in the keys, and on the way back, this 15-year-old young man was driving the golf cart, and they had a few minutes of just chit-chat kind of talk. And the 15-year-old looked at my pastor friend, knowing nothing about who he was, and he said, Sir, can I ask you a question? My pastor friend said, Sure. He said, if you get in a car wreck on the way home today and die, are you ready to meet Jesus? A 15-year-old weekend warrior <laughs> talking to a pastor that he had never met before. He didn't know him, didn't know anything about him, but he was boldly sharing his faith in Jesus Christ at 15 years old. That is living expectantly and every single one of us should be living with that same kind of expectancy that one day the gates of heaven are going to be opened wide for us and we're going to be welcomed into the kingdom of God when Simon Peter wrote this I've said this before but his literal execution was knocking at the door and he knew it he and thousands of other faithful martyrs have set the example for facing hardships by being faithful in our walk with Jesus Christ until death. Ready to live means that you're living morally and means that you're living expectantly. Thirdly, ready to live means that I live securely. I live securely. We see that in verse 12. He says, therefore... I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. So here's another therefore. This one is taking, taking us back to the qualities, the supplements that we talked about last week that need to be part of our daily lives. Peter was resolved that as long as he had breath in his body, he was going to share the gospel and then also, he had resolved that as long as he had breath in his body, he was going to share the value of living a godly, moral life, encouraging other believers, always reminding you, he says. When somebody thinks about you and things that you talk about over and over and over again, and things that they get even tired of hearing you talk about, is the focus of those kinds of conversations pointing to Jesus and pointing to the encouragement that you're giving people to walk daily with Jesus. See, Peter knew that the foundation of this world was unstable. It was shaky. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established Established means that you're built on a solid foundation. Established means that when the winds of this life blow against your life, it's not going to fall and crumble. Some of you were around during Hugo. 
I have video proof of what it looks like for houses not to be built on the rock, not to be built on a solid foundation. The ground on which everything we teach here at Palmetto Shores Church is God's Word, the Bible, the foundation of every ministry that we support, that every ministry that we have here in this church has to be grounded solidly in God's Word or we're not going to be a part of it. We want to be established on this solid foundation of God's truth. So what kind of foundation are you living on? What kind of foundation is your life anchored on? You know that foundations are critical and crucial to a structure being able to sustain conflict. When storms come, the security of your life, just like the security of a shelter, depends on your solid foundation. Jesus told a story one time in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Here's the story Jesus shared. He said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, he will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Solid foundation. Verse 25, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. The foolish man built his house upon the rock, and the house came tumbling down. He built his house on the sand. The house came tumbling down. So you aren't ready to live until your life is established on a solid foundation of the truth. So what is the truth? Peter knew that, again, a solid foundation has to be built on the truth. And again, he was remembering that same thought, I believe, as he wrote this passage, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All the supplements that Peter talked about in verses 5 through 7 of 2 Peter chapter 1 are built on God's faith and God's love that He, he gives you. They demonstrate the quality of your foundation. Morally excellent qualities are consistent with God's truth. Remember we talked a few weeks ago just before Easter, the Sunday before Easter. Pilate was actually interrogating Jesus, judging Jesus. Pilate asked two very important questions. In John chapter 18, verses 35 through 38. The first question was, are you a king? So you are a king, Pilate asked. And then Jesus said, I was born to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, 
What is truth? Now, that was the right question. (laughs) That was a good question. What is truth? What Jesus said to him was, truth has a source. Truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And so when our lives are established in the truth, when our lives are established in Jesus, then and only then are we ready to live. Ready to live, ready to live means that you are living securely on the foundation of the truth of God's Word as revealed to us through Jesus Christ. So how do you establish that foundation for life? It can only come by you believing in Jesus, putting your faith, putting your trust in Jesus. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus. Do you know him? If not, you can come to know him today. If Simon Peter were here today, he'll say, I know I've said this so many times before, but you're not really living until you give your life to Jesus. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus died for your sin. You repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, and commit your life to making all of life about Jesus. I know you've heard me say that before, but I'll say it with my last breath on life. You're not really living till you give your life to Jesus. So what's keeping you from giving your life to Jesus? What's keeping you from building your life on that solid foundation? What's keeping you from building your life on the rock who is Jesus? Please don't be like Pilate. Please don't ask the right question and then close your ears to the right answer. So ready to live means that you're living a morally excellent life. It means that you're living expectantly. It means that you're living securely. That means established. And then finally, ready to live means I live purposefully. I live purposefully. Look at verse 12, verse 13. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. Peter was intent on living a legacy. He wanted to leave behind a track record that clearly pointed to Jesus. And he was purposeful about how he was leaving a legacy for people to follow. We can remember many things about the life of Simon Peter. He heard Jesus call him. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Follow me and I will make you Fishers of men. And what did Peter do? He immediately, the Bible says, he immediately put down his nets and followed Jesus. Often, as Peter followed Jesus for the next three years or so, almost every day, Jesus corrected Peter. Jesus knew that his heart and his nature needed to be brought under... um, Discipline. 
And so Jesus corrected him often. Then during the trial of Jesus, we looked at this right before Easter. During the trial of Jesus, what did Simon Peter do? Three times he denied that he even knew Jesus while Jesus was in the courtroom being tried. Three times he denied knowing Jesus. But that wasn't the end of the story. Remember that. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you've, uh, how you've maybe failed in the past, remember that Jesus restored Peter. And after he restored Simon Peter, even though he still wasn't perfect, he continued to be more and more and more and more like Jesus until this point in his life. He had repented and was restored and had allowed the truth to set him free. And so now he was sharing that the source of truth. The source of truth is in Jesus. And he faithfully was passing that down to future generations like ours. That's Simon Peter's story. What about your story? Have you come to that point where you have planted your life into the rock, Jesus? Have you come to that point in your life where you want to leave a legacy? For people to look at your life and say, if that's what it looks like to be changed, transformed, restored, set free to honor the name of Jesus, look at me. I want that to be me. Knowing Jesus and making all of life about Him is the only way to live purposefully with an eternal perspective. So what are you making every effort, every day, to be? Is it a born again, I put my faith and trust in Jesus kind of testimony? What are you making every effort in your life to do? Are you making every effort to know and follow Jesus and then make sure that you leave a legacy for others to follow, living purposefully? Let me wrap this up this morning just with one challenge by way of application. This is so practical. You're ready to live when you give your best to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That begins... By knowing Him. Do you know Him? Have you put your faith and trust in Him as your Savior? But then understand that it's critical for you to keep on growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then here comes just four practical suggestions for really living a legacy that will go on before us. First of all, I want to challenge you to Talk to your family and friends about things that really matter. There's so much chatter that goes on in the world today. So much conversation even about things that are uh, creating struggles in our life. But are we talking to people about things that really matter? Are we talking to people about Jesus? Until they get tired of hearing it. And then we keep on sharing it some more. Secondly... Start a journal or a scrapbook. In other words, share your struggles and your victories. A highlight 
on my trip to my 50th high school reunion was when my mom's Bible was brought out by my dad and my dad showed Gail page after page after page that my mother had written down about our family history. It's worth it to journal and to scrapbook so future generations can be encouraged about what you're leaving as a legacy. Thirdly, talk about Jesus in your last will and testament. I mean, people are going to be anxious about reading your last will and testament. So put your Jesus story in your last will and testament. Let people know where your faith is and why you believe what you believe. And why you want to encourage them to believe in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. How practical could that be? To put your personal testimony about knowing Jesus and making all of life about Him in your last will and testament. And finally, plan your funeral so God is glorified. People often ask Gail to sing at funerals and me to preach their funeral service. Nothing unusual for people to ask us to do that. Just recently, two of our friends traveling to another part of the world told us that they had their funerals planned <laughs> and we were to lead their service if they didn't return from their trip. I got excited about that. I mean, they literally want God to be glorified if they leave this world and spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. So think about that. Think about these things. I pray that your strongest desire is to leave a legacy that makes an eternal difference in the lives of your family and friends and people who know you. Again, too many people today are living unhappy unfulfilled lives. Too many people are discontented and filled with worry and fear. But remember, life is God's gift to you. And what you do with that life is your gift back to God. So make it count. Make your life count. And really live. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that we can be determined to live a life for our Master, for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that makes a difference not only in our life, but in the lives of people who come after us. And God, as I think about the value of what we can leave behind, what greater legacy than to know in our heart that we know Jesus and believe that He is our personal Savior, but also that He is the Savior of the whole wide world. And we want the world to know about Jesus through our lives. God, I pray today for that person who may be here and has never trusted You. I pray that today they would give all that they know about themselves to all that they know about You and say, I believe. I believe. Take my life and use it for your glory, Lord. I pray that our legacy today would be a legacy that we are anchored in Jesus Christ 
And our purpose in life is to make all of life about you. God, continue to be with us now as we ponder what your word has taught us today. And help us not only to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of your word as we go out to worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name.